Thank you, Pastor Willie. You may be seated. I've been accused, I've been accused of having a recovery church. People have said that about us. Can you imagine a recovery church? And uh, I've been accused of a lot of things, and, and I, I'm not going to confess to some of them, but that one I'll confess to. I am guilty as charged because here's the thing. You are either addicted or you are in recovery, every single one sitting in this room. You either are addicted to sin or you are in recovery from sin. Amen? And so maybe it's not a chemical addiction. Maybe it's uh, work. Maybe you work too hard, right? Some people work too hard. That's a thing, right? Maybe it's Christina. That's the thing. Are you laughing at me? Maybe it's, you know, any host of other addictions. Anything... Any, and we've said this before, even good things, if we make good things ultimate things, they're idols. And so I've said before, sin is just, sin's a cheap substitute for something better God has for, for us. When we seek to, to fill that void, when we seek to scratch that itch and we don't do it God's way, that's just sin. Instead of searching deeper and asking the question, what is it I long for? What is it deep down inside that I'm searching for? Because drugs or working too hard or sex or whatever it is, is a cover-up for a deeper longing that we have. And so the title of the message is Walking with God. And I, I, I want to say that as an as a exclamation and as a question. Walking with God. Are we walking with God? That would have been a better title. And so before these guys, you know, share their testimonies, I want you to consider that question for your life. We're here, and maybe you're here because you heard the Teen Challenge guys are going to be here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you're here because you're here every Sunday. It doesn't matter. You're here because God wants to speak to you and speak to me. Because we're holding on to some things, and he wants to take those things from us so he can give us better things. And I don't mean things, right? We understand. I mean, there's, there's things that God wants to do in our lives spiritually. There's places he wants to take us. He wants to develop our faith and our trust, and we've got to let go. We've got to be willing to let go. Francis Chan said, we never grow closer to God when we just live. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. In other words, we've got to live intentionally. Because if we don't, there are things, and at best, they just distract us, and we live our whole lives distracted. At worst, they destroy us. And so we want to be attentive. And I love this quote, St. Augustine, and I've, I've said this before again and again. One of, one of my favorite quotes of his, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So if you're here and you don't know Christ, that means you are restless. That means you're longing, and that means no matter what you think's going to fill, the next, you know, the next fix, the next paycheck, the next relationship, whatever it is, you're going to still feel that longing, that still that restlessness, but we're, because we are created for a relationship with a God who created the universe, that God who loves us with an extravagant love. And so this morning, I want to briefly just take a look at Psalm 1, the introduction to the Psalms. It's a wisdom Psalm of David. And he's basically telling us, you know, take a look around you, and then take a look inside you. And that's the invitation this morning. Take a look around you. What are, what, what are the things? Who are the people? What's the information that's shaping your life? And then who is that leading you to become? 
Psalm 1 is, a, is an invitation for a deeper, more solid, more productive walk with God. And Psalm 1 says the person who has a close walk with God is called blessed. And everyone in this room, if I sighed and I said, who wants to be blessed this morning? We all would have raised our hands. Well, this is the way toward that blessed life. And so, Father, would you do what only you can do, and would you have your way? The only power in this place comes from your word and your spirit. From this, your church, God, we're gathered to hear from you, to receive from you. Change us, Lord Jesus, from within. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Psalm 1, how, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the first thing we have is an invitation to look around. It's an invitation to, de to determine how are we being influenced around us. And we said the past few weeks, we talked about in Genesis, the strategy of the enemy with sin, and while what he causes basically us to be distracted before we distrust God, and then we're disobedient. Like, that's how it happens. First we're distracted, and then that develops this discontentment, this distrust, this disobedient. It's all as a result of, of, of that, just that sense of, Maybe we're missing something, right? And all these guys are going to testify. They thought they were missing something. They thought drugs would do it or some particular sin or lifestyle. And so this, this first invitation, it, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now when you're walking, you're, you're actively moving, which means you can actively walk towards something or you can walk away from it. Right? My father told me before he became a Christian, every choice you make, are you moving further or closer to your goals, to whatever you want out of life? Now when he became a Christian, he realized how more profound that was when you say, every decision you make, everything you look at, everything you say, is it moving you closer or further away from God? I've said before when people say, are you a Christian or, or you know, what's your religion? I don't even like to answer that because it doesn't, you know, words don't mean the same thing. So I like to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because following indicates that you're, you can't kind of follow somebody, right? We've said that before. Sometimes the best you can do is just barely put one foot in front of the other. Sometimes your buddy has to, like, push you, right? But as long as you don't keep walking that way, as long as you keep pursuing Jesus, even if you're, you're at a standstill almost, you're still following. You still endeavor to follow Jesus. But when you're walking, it indicates you can walk towards something or you can walk away from it, right? The Bible says flee from sin. Just run away from it. But then as, as times progress, because we might walk and we say, you know, I'm not going to stop at that party. I'm not going to stop at that place where I shouldn't be. I'm gonna, but I'm just going to walk by, right? Because, you know, we're very brilliant when it comes to our inclination. I'm just going to take a look. We said about King David. I'm just going to go find out more about her. So you can say, well, I'm just going to walk by. But then eventually, eventually you're no longer walking. Now you're standing. 
Right? You see that progression? It says, blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now you're just kind of hanging out. Now you're not walking by. Now you've made a decision to absorb whatever's around you. You're standing there. And maybe you're listening. Maybe you say, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that kind of talk, but I'm, you know, I'm just going to listen to it. Whatever it is, you understand what I'm saying. And so you're not, no longer walking, and you're not, you're not quite reserved to stay there, but you're standing. You become a little more complacent. But it doesn't end there, because then it says, and, and who sits in the seat of scoffers. Sitting now, that indicates sort of a resting place. Now, now you're comfortable. Now you're there, and you know, you hang around with certain people long enough, you begin to act like them and look like them, right? And so now you're sitting in the seat of scoffers. Now you're a lot less likely to get up and keep walking. Now you can. So if you're here and you feel like that's where your life is, it's not over. But you're going to realize that now you're, again, you're a little more complacent. And that's what will happen. But it says that in a contrast to the person who finds themselves in that situation where they were, you know, standing, where they were walking by where they shouldn't have been, and then they ended up standing, and then they ended up sitting. And sometimes you don't know that happens, right? You ever, and, and I don't know, in my life, I'm sure these guys can relate, but you ever look around and be like, how did I get here? I mean, I'm going to say when I got to Teen Challenge, I was like, my friend, how did I get here? But right, and, and so you wonder, well, how, how did I get here? And so the, the contrast here is, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk with the counsel of the wicked, who doesn't stand in the path of sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers, but instead his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates on it day and, light, day and night. Another quote I love, and it says, Love God and do what you please. And I put that in people, people like it for all the wrong reasons. Love God and do what you please. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's really the same way to say that. Love God. See, if you love God with every fiber of your being, with everything you are, then what he's going to do is he's going to renew your heart and renew your mind, and you're going to be able to live. You're going to be able to want the things that he wants. And I've said before, and I know for a lot of us, delight yourself in the law. It's like, wait, who does that? Who, who takes delight in rules? Nobody delights in the law. Maybe the police, right? That's it. But no, you, you have to look at it this way. And this, this always helps me when I, you know, to understand God better, I always look at, you know, what, what it means to be a parent. And with my kids, as they get older, they understand more and more. But when they were younger, they don't understand when I give them guidelines. They don't understand when I give them limits. They, you know, as they get older, hopefully understand, they understand those things. But when they're younger, they don't understand. But I know that I don't want to deny them. I want to help them flourish. I want to create limits that create opportunities. I want to give them structure so that they can pursue whatever it is they want to do out of life. Because I know what's best for them. And I know that I would even give my life for them. That's how much I love them. And so I think it helps them when we think of God and when we think of his law and we think of his guidelines that we remember what Paul said in Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That there's the paradox, that die to live, you know, to, to be, become enslaved or submit to be free, serve to be great. Principles of an upside-down kingdom. So delight yourself in the law essentially means this. Trust your heavenly Father 
the way that you would want your kids to trust you, knowing that he wants absolutely what's best for us. And so that's what it means when it says, delight yourself in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it, on it day and night. Make it be part of who you are. Help that to be what informs you, not TV or culture or what your neighbors think, but the word of God. And then it says this in verse 3. It doesn't say he might be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. It says he will be. In other words, if you, if you watch who's around you and you pay attention to what's affecting you and you delight yourself in the law of the, uh, of the Lord and you meditate on the Bible, then you will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. I, I think sometimes it's nice to hear that because sometimes you know we're a little impatient. I used to have a friend of mine and he used to always want to do God's work and I never doubted it was God's work. I just doubted when. Because every week you would have, a, I'm, I think, and I'm like, I don't doubt that God's told you that. I just doubt he might have told you that right now. Like, right? Sometimes in season. The guys need to know that, right? In season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Spiritually. Whatever we do, we do unto the Lord, and we prosper. And then... It says, but the wicked are not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So it's an invitation to delight ourselves in the word of God, to meditate on the word of God. We said it's not enough to just read from the Bible. And, and you know, a lot of times you, people want to get through the Bible in a year, and I commend that. That's a great idea. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't meditate. Sometimes short passages. Read it slowly. Meditate on it. Absorb it. Digest it. Apply it to your life over and over and over again. You know, sometimes you don't have to read it to get through it. We have to read it so it gets through us. Amen? Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, give your whole life to him. And then, as an alternative, do not be conformed to the world. In other words, don't, don't stand, don't walk and stand and sit with the, with the mockers and the scoffers and the ungodly and the critics, the enemies of God. But instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is of good and acceptable and perfect. See, how we are influenced will reflect in who we become. What kind of person am I becoming? You know, I mentioned that I have the fruit of the Spirit in my office hanging on the wall. And people can think, oh, that's nice, you know, spiritual passive Brian's. But it, you know what it is? It's a reminder so I can look and be like, am I that? Are these characteristics increasing in my life? And if they're not, then I can check myself. Because, you know, in work, at work, we have a, you have assessments, right? You have, you know, to check if you're doing your job right. If you're in school, you get graded, right? If, if you have, you know, it, it, there are metrics in almost anything in life. Do we take a personal spiritual inventory? That's the invitation to determine who are we becoming. Now, I wouldn't suggest that you ask your spouse to take that inventory for you. You can if you're very brave. Be like, oh, I, you, you want to know how you can improve? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> 
But we've got to be honest with ourselves. We, we should be taking our own uh, personal spiritual inventory. Am I becoming more like Christ or not? And then we need to be honest and ask him to change us. Because when you're refreshed and nourished, you're fruitful. You bring forth fruit in his season. You're durable, you're rooted, you're firm. You know, I've said before that, you know, when they, when they, when they communities are built, communities are built around a source of fresh water. That's the, once the source is there, you can go away from it a little bit, but you always get to come back to that. And our lives need to be the same way. We need to recognize Jesus Christ as the living source, as a source of strength and peace, of healing, that living water that we can, we veer away, but we need to go back to it. We need to make sure we are firmly planted there. And then whatever we do, it says, we'll spiritually prosper. And then he closes and he talks about judgment. That one day we will be judged. And we'll either be judged by what we've done, because we said, you know, it's all about me. I can do it. You know, people told me about Jesus, but I was all set. I didn't need him. People who have made all kinds of excuses won't be able to stand on their own self-righteousness. Because culture doesn't have any answers, and Jesus alone saves. Truth is by nature, not it is exclusive and inclusive as well. The truth is that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died for you, and that invitation is open to everybody. It's in, exclusive in that Jesus alone is God incarnate. Jesus alone was risen from the dead. Jesus alone can forgive sin. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the righteous is repentance and faith in Christ. How will we be judged? To make the most of our walk with God, it must begin by godly influences because godly influence will result on who we become on the inside, godly character. God is looking for his own. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I want to read that again because I know that I'm not the only one here who needs to hear that this morning, but that's a promise. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Let's delight in God's word. Let's meditate on his word and let's seek to know him more, church. Amen. So I'm going to hand it over to, uh, I'm going to ask Joe Rand to come up. Joe Rand's the director, the, the director of Adult and Teen Challenge, Massachusetts. He's also a great friend of mine, and he loves Jesus. Love you, bro. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Brian and Pastor Jamie, for the, uh, the invitation this morning, but also just the welcome that we feel um, some of you may know what it's like to, to be in a place where you're not really welcome. I know these guys know what it's like to, to dwell in a place where you're not necessarily welcome, um, and we know what it's like to feel welcomed in. And 
I said during the first service, from the moment we stepped in to this church, you know, we felt welcome and really rings true what the, what the words on the wall say. Love God, love people, and reach the world. And I can tell the church is, is definitely doing it. So thank you so much um, just for uh, the welcome this morning. Well, I'm here to introduce um, Adult and Teen Challenge Massachusetts, uh, where I'm the senior director. Um, for the, many people probably have heard and, and know from uh, Brian and Jamie um, talking about what Adult and Teen Challenge is. So I'm going to um, do a couple of updates that maybe you haven't heard, or if you have, um, maybe something new about it. You know, it is a 12 to 15 month program, and the reason for that is that we focus on discipleship. It's not just you know, we instill hope in the first, you know, two to four weeks that someone is in the program, and then we deal with the crisis of addiction in their life, but then it goes way beyond that, and it goes into the root issues, and it goes into, you know, really building character, and that's really what our focus is, and that's why it's a long-term program, but a couple of years ago, we set forth with um, building and opening a CSS program, Clinical Stabilization Services, and so that's a 14 to 28-day um, in some cases, up to 90 days uh, program for individuals after detox while they look for long-term um, housing or long-term solution or outpatient care. And so a lot of the questions as we were preparing to do this that I got was, wait a minute, that's not the Teen Challenge model. Like, you guys are long-term. You guys are faith-based. This is a, um, a state-licensed program. This is going to have clinicians and groups, and this isn't the model that Teen Challenge follows. But our mission statement at Teen Challenge has been for a long time to reach all addicts in their families with the message of hope. And we were missing a whole group of people because anyone that didn't want long-term or anyone that didn't want the faith-based model, they never stepped foot on our property. As soon as they'd hear 12 to 15 months, they'd hang up the phone and move on to the next phone call. And so what we focused on through the CSS is by planting it on the same campus as our long-term program, we made every single one of the guys in the program and the staff um, that helped run the program, we made them all missionaries by putting them in contact with people who in a lot of cases were unsaved and a lot of cases would never have entered the doors of Teen Challenge. And so that's one of the cool things that we've been doing and it's one of the ways that you can be praying for us as we, uh, as we venture out. Um, Pastor Brian was sharing at our Friday night service a couple weeks ago, some of you might have been there and um, in that back row was a, a row of individuals, unsaved individuals, who are in the first steps of recovery and making decisions for long term. And they were able to hear the gospel presented very clearly each time they come to the chapel. And so you can be praying, like I said, you can be praying for us with that. Well, we, we also have 108 beds, long term beds on campus, and so we stay busy uh, with a long term program as well. Um, my role as senior director um, I could tell you a little bit about what I do day to day, um, but you're going to hear it because these guys represent what we do day to day, engaging in the discipleship model that Jesus has left for us and the, 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 the way he showed us how to do it. We do it through clinical counseling. We do it through pastoral counseling, recovery coaching, life coaching, but it all boils down to discipleship. Our academics, everything boils down to discipleship and hands-on discipleship. I want to talk a little bit about my qualifications to be the senior director of Adult and Teen Challenge Massachusetts. And that is not a college degree and not some executive leadership training. My qualifications is that I have learned to surrender each day. I've learned to put others before myself and I've learned that God can choose anybody 
to do the role that I'm in, but he chose to use me. And so my responsibility is to empty of myself each, each morning before heading into work and allowing God to flow through me. I uh, entered the doors of Teen Challenge in February of 2011. It was a Thursday night. I remember it well. Um, I packed up maybe six times in the next four days uh, trying to leave the program. Um, it, was a, it was a rough point. I was at the very end of myself, and the last place I wanted to be was in a program like Teen Challenge. But it's exactly where God met me. And the thing that drove me to my knees, that addiction, that, that uh, intravenous heroin use, that, that, that thing that tried to destroy me is the very thing that God used to save me. And I see so many awesome testimonies of individuals saved from their goodness. And, uh, and I know that had I not struggled with addiction, then, then, I, then there's a good chance that I'd be stuck in my own goodness and not ever have the opportunity to come to Christ. And so I'm so thankful and grateful. Um, it was on my knees, like I said, but God drove me to my knees, and it was on my knees that I experienced the forgiveness of God in the auditorium in Brockton at Adult and Teen Challenge. And uh, all I did then was stay. Each day I stayed, each day I surrendered, like I said, and just continued on. I finished the program, I graduated, I stayed on, I did an apprenticeship, stayed on as staff, and that's where I met Pastor Brian. And Pastor Brian became not just, he said friends, he's, he's my mentor, um, and he's the reason I'm in the position I'm in today, because um, I didn't want to be the director. And when he came uh, and sat with me, and he said, you can do it, I know you can do it, and if you, if you think you can't, I'll be right there with you the whole time. And, uh, and he really mentored me and guided me through those first couple years in leadership, and I'm, uh, I'm forever grateful uh, for his ministry in my life. So we're here to celebrate with you t today. We're celebrating what God's doing in these guys' lives. We're also here to, to worship with you. So if you want to stand to your feet and welcome with me the Adult and Teen Challenge Massachusetts Men's Choir. Victory, you 
My name is Matt LeBlanc. I'm 31 years old. I'm from Dudley. I'm just going to share a little bit about my story. Um, growing up, I had a great family and, yeah, had everything. I, I have three brothers. My parents are still married, you know, 30 plus years of marriage. So for some reason, I just took a turn trying to fill a void that I didn't know the answer to was Jesus, but I tried to fill it with, like, you know, popularity, this and that. I played sports in school, broke my wrist um, playing football, had to have a surgery, and then I got introduced to Percocet. And for some reason, I think because I was looking for something to fill this void, that filled the void. And so I got into that. I started doing other drugs. I had another surgery, and I hurt my shoulder. And basically, my addiction took me to, like, the pit. So low to the point, Tony and I were talking about this the other day. I was in this homeless shelter in Springfield. It's called the, uh, it was the Worthington Street, it was a wet shelter, so you, that meant you could 
use as long as you were coherent. And I was sleeping on a concrete floor on like a little thin um, blanket. And I was afraid to take my shoes off, my boots. It was the middle of the winter. It was January. And I was afraid to take them off because someone would steal them. And that was like the pit. And um, so I, my mom <laughs> at a Kmart saw some guys fundraising for Teen Challenge. And she's like, oh, Matt, you need to go in this program. And then, like, I heard it was 12 to 15 months. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. Oh, I can't smoke cigarettes anymore. Oh, I can't have a cell phone. I can't do anything. I'm like, I'm not doing this. No, thank you. And uh, so I said, I'd rather just be, like, in this homeless shelter with no money, no nothing. I didn't even have a phone. I don't even know why I cared about having a phone. I didn't even have one at the time. <laughs> it makes no sense. And uh, I reached out, and it was kind of, you know, God kind of called me to come to Teen Challenge because I reached out in this detox in December of 2012, and uh, it was in Worcester, and they had like three or four beds open. So I was like, ah, no, I'm not interested. I wanted to get into this, these halfway houses or the programs where I could work. I wanted to make money. I had a plan. I knew everything. I'm like, I got this. 21-year-old kid. And then I... Um, Ended up just going into a homeless shelter because that was a better plan. And then when I was there, I reached out again on a pay phone. And they were like, yeah, we have, it was, so it was three beds, three, four beds first. And that was like five, six beds were open. And then I was like, nah, it's not a good sign. I have too many open beds. I tried to get it everywhere else. And finally I called and they must have had, they, the guy was just like, you've called me. This is like the third time, dude. We have wide open. We got, you can pick any bed you want. We have so many beds. Come. And uh, that was like one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I went into uh, Teen Challenge in February 2013 in Boston. And uh, God has just been so good. I I've, I've got baptized. I um, gave my life to Christ in April of 2013. Now, I am not a perfect person. My wife's sitting in the back. She can tell you that if you want to talk to her after. I'll tell you I am. But... Um, but I had, I had some hiccups along the way, and I, I ended up becoming a staff member at Teen Challenge. I was there from 2013 to 2016. So, like, I was staff for about two years-ish. And I left. I wanted to, for some reason, I always know everything is right. I went to chase money, I, this and that. I fell away from the Lord, and I just flopped right on my face. Um, but I, it was 2000. 18, the beginning of 2018, I was like broken again. I was like, oh, I do not want to go back. I do not want to go back. And it was just like in desperation. I, I called Joe. I'm like, you got to pick me up. I'm going to die. Like, that was it. He's like, yeah, we'll be there an hour. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a I didn't know it was like, they're going to be that quick. <laughs> like, I was in Lowell. I'm like, wait a second. Okay, uh, let me think about it. He's like, no, man, you just got to make the commitment. And I did. And uh, thank the Lord I came back. So that was May 1st, 2018. And today, we talk about like the evidence of his goodness, right? I got my beautiful wife sitting in the back. I'm calling you up, babe. She's way back there, right in the back. There she is. Almost married two years. And in eight days, we are going to be homeowners. And that is, yeah, there's, whew. I've been with Teen Challenge now since that day, and I've been staffed there for almost four years, but God has been so good. 
oh, he's just been so good. So I see the evidence, and um, I'm just grateful to be here, and I thank you all for letting me share. God bless. Hey, y'all, good morning. Uh, my name's Matthew Corbin. Um, I'm 29, and I'm, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Pastor Brian, you were talking about, like, how did I get here? Like, I remember it, it was, like, January, and uh, we had a two-foot snowstorm. And mind you, I've never even touched, like, a snow shovel in my life. I'm decked out. I've got a heated vest, like, that my mom sent me because... I'm a, I'm a child when it comes to cold weather. Um, and I'm the first person out the door. They basically kick me out there. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And it didn't matter, like, <clears throat> that I didn't, that I was wondering why I should be there because God called me to a place um, where I could change. I had to be uncomfortable and I was very uncomfortable. Savannah has snowed one time in the 29 years that I've been alive. It snowed two inches. We shut down for four days. <laughs> we had one salt truck and it was broken because it had been out of commission for like 12 years or something like that. Um, so mind you, like, I'm gonna talk a little bit about you know, how I got here. Um, but I started drinking at 11. My, my father, my real father, uh, gave me my first shot of alcohol. Um, by 14, I was smoking marijuana. 18, I was trying cocaine. <clears throat> by 23, I had moved to pain pills, which within six months uh, quickly chained, turned into a, a heroin and uh, severe fentanyl addiction. Um, I've overdosed multiple times. Um, fentanyl's in everything now, and it's killing people, good people, that God hasn't gotten a chance to save yet. Um, he saved me. Um, he saved my brothers. But two weeks before I came here, um, I found my best friend uh, overdosed in the bathroom um, on fentanyl. Um, something told me to go check on him. <clears throat> and as I went upstairs, all the lights were off. I didn't hear anything and pushed the door open to the bathroom and he was just like laying there. Um, I'll never forget it. Like he wasn't breathing. His face was turning blue, um, and I tried everything, you know, to get him to come back. Uh, CPR, I hit him in the face multiple times. Um, I sprayed him with water from the shower, and uh, I got nothing. I kind of like, in a last-ditch effort to, I don't know, wake him up. I picked him up by his arm and he kind of slumped over and I dropped him and he just hit the ground like dead weight and uh, 
I'd given up. But at that moment, you know, I hear the garage door open and my mom is coming home from church. Uh, it was a Sunday. And for some reason, she bypassed the grocery store. Something told her to come straight home. So I hear the garage door open up and I run downstairs and I fling the car door open. I'm like, Mom, Nicholas is dead. She's like, she doesn't believe me. I was like, Mom, Nicholas is dead, like panic-stricken. So she runs upstairs with me, and uh, she pushes the door open. We push Nicholas a little bit farther back into the, uh, into the bathroom so we could both fit. And my, my beautiful mother, the first thing that she did was she prayed. Um, I watched her rebuke the spirit of death and the spirit of addiction in the name of Jesus Christ. And she points at me. She says, Matthew, you try CPR one more time. As I start the process, I'm going to the tune of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. In case anybody wanted to know, that's but then 15 seconds later, Nicholas breathed again. And it was, yeah. <clears throat> I talk about that because God's still working these miracles today that you read about in the Bible. I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't see it with my own two eyes. You know, in Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what I had today. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that my, that my walk has been sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. But I have peace. I'm okay. I'm okay with being the other, only Southerner up here with a, with a group of Yankees. So, like, that's cool with me, you know? I'm good. I love God today. I get on my knees every day. I pray. I cry out to God. Another part of my favorite scripture is in Psalm 30. It talks about crying out to God, and, and he healed me. That's what happened through my prayer life. But then it also says at the end, that weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And I have that today. So each one of you guys has a prayer card. We want to pray for you. If something has touched you today and you need prayer, fill one of these out. It's in the trifold. It's in your seats. If you don't have one, we will get you one. I'm going to show you how to fill it out right now. If you want to fill it out, you can at the moment. Um, we're going to collect them at the end. We're going to draw. We're going to draw one random card, and they're going to receive a free cutting board that are made in our vocational training by the guys in our program. So on the left side is a place to put your information. Um, you know, if you put your information, these halves get separated. Um, we're not going to know who we're praying for 
but that doesn't matter. God knows who and what we're praying for. On the right side is where you're going to put the prayer. Please, just fill out something. Um, if somebody you know needs salvation, if you, if you need, I don't know, if you need to make more money this week, put it down. If you need to, if you want to see somebody in your past get saved, put it down. If you want to say pray for Bob, we'll pray for Bob. That's cool too. But we do appreciate you guys being here. Or we do appreciate you guys having us here. I'm sorry. And um, we love you. Um, please come see us afterwards. We'd love to speak with you.
Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. is my testimony from death to life cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. church. My name is Christian. I'm uh, 38 years old. I'm uh, from basically all over the U.S. Um, so I grew up in a good household. My father is actually a minister. Grew up in the Presbyterian church and basically turned my mind and, and life from it very early. Um, I was 12 and in my infinite wisdom I decided to uh, there was no God. Um, and due to that, I decided I didn't have to live by any laws or rules. Um, and so I, I started using drugs around that time, too. I started smoking pot, taking hallucinogens, LSD, mushrooms, all that kind of stuff. And uh, basically rebelling against my parents and, and against the, the God that I didn't even know. Um, and it led me into basically a life of depravity. Um, my parents, you know, to the best of their ability, tried to set me straight. You know, they, they tried to determine I, my dress, my friends, all that. They, we moved around a lot, too, so. Um, but none of that stuff helped. I still just wanted to do my own thing. And uh, to make a long story short, you know, uh, I ended up becoming homeless um, after a little while doing all that and I ended up on uh, Mass Ave in, in Boston um, after starting to use uh, intravenous heroin and, and methamphetamines um, and so after um, I, I, I tried getting sober many times um, I, I went to a lot of different programs I, I went to 15 halfway houses in the state of Massachusetts um, and after so long, you know, I would, I would just get the desire. I'd have the urge to go back to drugs um, or go back to what the lifestyle that I thought was the easiest, which was ironically living on the street. Um, I just didn't have the, the desire to complete anything. Um, so I um, found myself on, on Mass Ave one day, the guy who I was with, was mixing up the drugs and you know told us told me one of us was going to overdose and I of course in my pride didn't think it was going to be me 
it ended up being me, and uh, I overdosed, ended up in Mass General Hospital. Um, and uh, the, the funny thing is, is when you've been in and out of the hospital a bunch of times, you know the routine, you tell them that you're gonna be that you're suicidal and uh, to get an extended stay. And I told them I was suicidal. They sent me up to the psych ward and uh, gave me the drugs to, um, to come off the, the heroin and all that, which was fine with me. I, I was up there for about a week. They were looking for a, like a CSS program for me to go to. And uh, they told me that the only place that I could go to was called TC Clinical Group or uh, Teen Challenge. And uh, I told them politely no. Uh, I don't want to go to Teen Challenge because I knew better that you'd never go to Teen Challenge. Um, and uh, they told me, they came back and they told me that, yeah, basically that's the only place that will take you. And um, I thought about it for a little bit and I was very desperate and I said, okay, I'll go. But I want to be able to take my Suboxone because that was the most important thing to me at the time. And they said, yeah, that's fine. They'll let you take it there. And uh, so I, I obliged, I went um, and I was there in the CSS program for about two months. And while I was there, um, the guys who worked there ministered to me. They told me about the program. They told me, uh, you know, it was the best decision they'd ever made. One of the guys, uh, Rick, was, has been there for five years. He told me that, he showed me his before picture, which was interesting. He, uh, <laughs> he, told, he, he told me it's been the best decision he's ever made. And I started, it was like the, the shell finally cracked. I started to listen to people. I started to think like maybe my life doesn't have to be this cycle of homelessness, this cycle of, uh, you know, getting in and out of programs. And, and I had this thought a while ago that like if I continue to do this, it might not be like this quick death. It's going to be this slow, drawn-out process. So I, I started to finally listen to that. Um, and I started to come down on the Suboxone, um, slowly but surely. Um, so I was there for about two months, like I said, uh, and um, I decided to make the, the, the transition to the 15-month program, which was, you know, what I needed. I, I couldn't just, like Joe was saying, I couldn't just make the commitment to that 15-month program. I needed to think about it. I needed to, like, ponder on it. I needed to pray about it because I started doing that again. Um, and I decided to do it, and I was, I was on, like, the last little bit of the Suboxone taper. Um, and I started feeling really uncomfortable. And uh, the guys in the program were telling me, yeah, just wait a little bit longer, just wait a little bit longer. You just wait till you feel comfortable. And I said, uh, I knew that that was wrong. I knew that if I just, if I waited till I was comfortable that uh, I would just wait forever. Um, and that I would stay there and probably go somewhere else. So um, I like to say that uh, I took that leap of faith, you know, and I, I, I I leapt into the loving arms of Jesus Christ, and I, I didn't really recognize that then, but I, I recognize that now. And um, things didn't get easier, but they got better. Because um, I uh, immediately, when I got over to the 15-month program, um, I got I was withdrawn from the medication, and then I immediately got COVID. Uh, so. I got quarantined in a room with uh, six guys or five other guys, including myself, and uh, yeah, that was not 
the most fun experience that I've ever had. But I was in there for 10 days, and um, I used that time to, I couldn't sleep. I slept maybe two hours every night, but uh, I used that time to cry out to God and say, God, if you're real, God, if, if you love me, uh, and if you get me through this, I'll, I'll praise you for the rest of my days, and I'll do whatever you want. Um, and that was about uh, coming up on a year ago, and I'm still here. So. So yeah, God is still working miracles. He's still working in my life. And uh, yeah, I just I just want to say I'm planning to stay on for an apprenticeship. I'm planning to continue to, you know, people have poured into my life. Um, I want to pour into other guys' lives. There's guys always coming into the program. So, you know, I want to continue to help and, and give back. So um, the, the verse that I stand on is uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works that he has before ordained that we should walk in them. Thank you.
final shout. can be seated. My name is Tony Crew. I'm the Program Development Supervisor at Adult and Teen Challenge Massachusetts, and I'm so grateful to be here today. Um, I'm going to give you one fun fact about your pastor. He kicked me out of Teen Challenge and told me I could never come back about seven years ago with my director, Joe Rand. And, uh, you know, it sounds crazy, but it was the best thing to ever happen to me. Uh, I went on a, a run for about the next five years, and uh, Pastor Barry in the back, Joe Ran, Pastor Brian, uh, they didn't stop reaching out to me. They didn't stop trying to pour into me, and they didn't give up hope on me. During the next five years, I overdosed numerous times, but, you know, a friend won't tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you what you need to hear. And like, I need a true change in my life. You know, 20 years, I was just in and out of every program, every place, and I was court mandated, and even court, court mandated, like, couldn't just keep me grounded. Like, I wanted to do what Tony wanted to do. And uh, I remember this time of desperation. I was in and out of uh, treatment from New York, Massachusetts, and I ended up in Rhode Island at the Phoenix house. And I remember hearing this voice tell me I came to give you an abundant life like what are you holding on to and I realized that my issues weren't just drugs and alcohol that was just the tip of the iceberg that I had codependency issues you know relationship issues issues from my childhood that I needed to take care of and I decided to call Joe and Barry Pastor Barry and ask for help and my life has drastically changed through that true surrender you know I work full-time there now I do side work and 
you know, I'm so grateful for life today. And, you know, Pastor Brian spoke a message the other day and at our center, and it all stems from gratitude. If I don't wake up in the morning grateful, I am in trouble. I am on the verge of a relapse if I don't stay grateful. And I'm so grateful for life today. Ah, oh, man. There's three reasons why we come out to churches every week. And the first reason is to spread the gospel, let you know the same God of the Bible. The miracles that he performed in the Bible, he's doing the same miracles today. These guys are all bigger miracles than all that stuff. And the second reason we come out is to spread hope. Just let people know there's a place they can go no matter what. Doesn't matter your finances, doesn't matter your health insurance. And they'll take you in and show you the love of Christ, which is the only thing that helps change anybody. Jesus Christ is the only reason that my life is drastically changed today. There's no other reason. There's nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do except realize that there was something out there, someone out there that loved me more than I love myself. And the third reason is uh, financial reasons. We come and ask for help. We put one of these on every seat. It's a student sponsorship. It's a dollar a day, $30 a month. And it helps offset the cost of a student. When I was in Phoenix House, they were charging my insurance. When I was in the detox, they were charging my insurance $850 a day. And then when I went to the CSS side for six days, they were charging my insurance $450 a day. Like, that's your money, you know? And at Teen Challenge, they didn't ask me for anything when I came in. And because people in this church sponsored a student three years ago, I'm here today. You know, I'm living proof of what God can do today through Adult and Teen Challenge. Uh, there's a story I tell just, just shows the change in my life. My sister had a baby a, a few years ago, my nephew. And like, I wasn't around, I wasn't present, you know, I wasn't around my family at all. They didn't want me around. I'd go over their house, all the doors would be locked to all the rooms. Like, they didn't call me, they didn't want anything to do with me. About a year ago, my, si my sister had another baby and uh, I was able to be there. Uh, I was able to go to her baby shower. I don't know why men go to baby showers, but it's like this new thing that we have to do now. Uh, and I was able to get her the biggest gift on her registry. I didn't even know what a bassinet was, but it's $200 if anyone's looking for one. But, you know, my life has drastically changed today. Me and Matt just, me and Matt just did a hardwood floor for my parents. They just moved into a new house. And like, my mom calls me every day. She's Italian, she's nuts. And she's probably friends with everybody here on Facebook. Um, and she's better friends with my friends than I am. But, uh, you know, my life has drastically changed today. Like, people rely on me today. And that wouldn't have been possible without this church. That wouldn't have been possible if, you know, Pastor Brian didn't, you know, give me that hard love. Or Joe Rand, give me that tough love. And I'm so grateful for my life today. Um, when you go into Teen Challenge, you don't just sit around and watch TV and eat candy like most programs. Sometimes I wish we did though. But yeah, it would be nice. But uh, we have different skills that we teach guys because we do job placement. Uh, we have a five-star chef that teaches culinary skills. We have an automotive department. We have a carpentry shop. And during COVID, we were trying to figure out a way to fundraise. And so during COVID, we started making these cutting boards. My man Vanna White over here, Thomas, best looking guy in the program. You will not find a better looking guy than Thomas. So I just became a recovery coach and he was my first mentee. 
and like I love Thomas. Thomas is going to get his license next week. We set up for him to get his license. But if you don't have one of these cutting boards, you're not cool. Like, everybody needs one of these cutting boards. They're like the new cutting edge thing. Uh, Pastor Brian's wife bought 20 of them the other day for me. She bought them all, the whole table. But listen, we have a table out back. If you guys are interested in any of these cutting boards, uh, we'd love to talk to you afterwards. But listen, if you see everything that you saw today and you're wondering how could I pour into this program more, the student sponsorship. Fill this out. Come see me afterwards. But Pastor Brian, you know, and Pastor Jamie, we just want to say thank you to you guys. We wanted to give you one of these boards. We love you guys. These guys have poured into my life for years. You know, and they saw something in me that, like, I didn't see in myself. And, like, that's the reason I'm here today. And that's why I'm so grateful to be here today. So thank you guys so very much. Amen. It makes us cool. We're cool. Yeah. Cutting edge. I saw what you did there, Tony. Well, why don't we stand and uh, and I'm going to pray, and the guys are going to close with an altar call. And uh, and after the altar call, we're just going to end the service. And so, if you want to, if you want to stay up here. I would encourage you to do that. If not, there'll be fellowship time in the gym. But, uh, you know, you're, you're here at invitation from the God who created the universe and who, who has an extravagant love for you, who's a good, good father. And so my prayer is that none of us walk away the same way we, we came in, that whatever that, that prompting is, that whatever the Lord's asking, that we would just give up. Maybe for the first time in our lives, some of us have just patterns of behavior and patterns of thoughts that are so harmful and self-defeating. And so, Father, before, you cl before we close, I just pray that you do what only you can do, that you soften hearts, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear spirits to receive God that you bring each of us to a place of surrender God and as I've said before when I when I went to Teen Challenge it was the worst day of my life I thought it was over I thought I would I thought that's how my story ended but we recognize that we don't surrender to be done we surrender to begin and so, Father, each one of us, doesn't matter if we have a drug or addiction, whatever it is, we need to get to the end of ourselves and surrender our lives to you, God. That's what the gospel is. It's free, but it's not cheap. It's a life for a life. And so, Father, help us to give up our lives for the one who gave it all up for us, that we can walk in the freedom and in the victory that you have for us. And so, Father, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These altars will be open. Somebody will be here to pray for you.
through the valley let your love rise above every fear like a sun shaping the shadow in my weakness your
All I want is all you are. 